This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When Slate Business and Tech reporter Heather Tall Murphy went looking for travelers whose holiday plans were upended by Southwest Airlines, it didn't take long to get results. And as I was looking through Southwest Instagram, which is um, an excellent place to look for lots of angry, furious people who have not found their bags and have not gotten where they were supposed to, I saw this woman. And um, what I thought was really remarkable about her is she had actually posted the Department of Transportation's policy in the Instagram comments, trying to help other people understand um, what they were owed. That woman was Andrea Minor. She's an informed consumer, someone who knew the ins and outs of airline travel more than your typical flyer. And what I learned is that she was trying to get back home, and it was important to her to get back home because her mother had not been very well. But she was a very experienced traveler. She used to travel all the time for work. And so because of this, she knew her rights really well. So when Southwest had issues, she had a backup plan she immediately went to go buy a flight on another airline or she made that plan. And so she said, okay, um, I would like a full refund. And she knew that she was owed that full refund. And instead of getting a refund, what happened is the ticket agent printed her out this voucher that she shared with me and we put it in our story and it's, it says the Southwest Love Voucher, and it's a voucher for $200. She gave her one and one for her daughter. And this is what the agent offered her instead of a full refund. There was also a problem with hotel vouchers. She was told they ran out. And though there was a Southwest webpage where consumers could get a full refund, even Andrea did not know about it at the time. She wasn't the only one. What came up again and again um, was that people... Uh, you know, a lot of people, because it's the holidays, either needed to get somewhere on a very specific timeline because there was a, they had a break from school, they had a break from work, they were trying to get there for a certain event in their family. And because of that, a lot of people were not willing to just reschedule with Southwest. Um, That wasn't a great option for them, especially because Southwest was giving them options many, many days in advance, or maybe wasn't even giving them options. And so people wanted their money back. And for some people, you know, $300, $1,000 isn't a big deal. But I talked to people for whom they were traveling with their family of five. They had actually been very strategic about when they bought those tickets several months in advance. They'd purchased a route that went through perhaps an inconvenient layover location specifically so they could save a certain amount of money. And now they're in a situation where at the last minute during Christmas, they need to buy new flights for five people. And that was not insignificant for them. Yes, the weather was terrible and the airports were crowded. But as other airlines resumed service and passengers began to board and head to holiday destinations... Southwest continued to cancel flights. Thousands of anxious flyers had to scramble, and many are still searching for luggage gone astray. Today on the show, it was the holiday from hell for Southwest, 
an airline whose business had been recovering rather nicely post-COVID. Bad weather exposed an antiquated scheduling system that confounded employees as well as frustrated passengers. So what next? Will government scrutiny and fines make a difference? Will all airlines be scared into upgrading their tech? Or will Southwest's competitive ticket pricing lure even the wary back on board? I'm Mary C. Curtis, filling in for Lizzie O'Leary, and this is What Next TBD, a show about tech, power, and how the future will be determined. Stick around. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank, USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When an unprecedented winter storm tore through the country over the holidays, airlines were hit hard, but none were hit harder than Southwest Airlines. When upwards of 15,000 flights were canceled across all airlines, a majority of those were through Southwest. Initially, Southwest blamed the issue solely on weather. But as other airlines were able to resume services, Southwest was canceling more and more flights. It was clear something else was wrong. What was going on, they eventually acknowledged, was partly that, yes, there was this weather event. Weather events are inconvenient. They will cause cancellations, particularly as in the case of Southwest. They had a lot of flights go through Chicago and Denver, which are two of these places that were really impacted by what was going on with the weather. Um, But on top of that, something else had happened. And what else had happened was that there is a old, old system called SkySolver that Southwest has been using in order to deal with the schedule. Because scheduling for airlines is really complicated. You have flights that are delayed, you have flights that are canceled, but even when everything goes well, you have so many people working on flights with different restrictions in different locations, and so you need a really good computer program to deal with that for you. So what Southwest said um, pretty early on in this, uh, they admitted to their own employees, is that this tool, SkySolver, that was supposed to respond to this crisis and start rescheduling people, and Southwest continued to claim they had enough people, it just couldn't deal with it. Too many things were changing too quickly, and instead of being a wonderful computer algorithmic program that was like, okay, this is your new plan, it just kind of imploded and melted down. And so since then, they have acknowledged that this system needed some major updates, and there's been a lot of criticism about that particular system, but this really compounded the problem. So instead of having 
you know, a much smaller number of cancellations and delayed. This led to the fact that between December 23rd and December 27th, that really critical window for holiday travel, Southwest Airlines canceled nearly 10,000 flights. That's a lot of flights. And that's more than 50% of its entire schedule. We saw that other airlines were able to bounce back relatively quickly. Why were they so unprepared? Were there some signs that something like this would throw a wrench in their operations? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think people standing in the airport and looking around and seeing other people boarding flights from the same airport, I heard that a lot. You know, people would be in the airport, they would go up to the counter, they'd tell them, oh, it's weather. And then they look over and somebody from a different airline is getting on their flight and say, how can this be weather? But again, what what happened here is that... um, Weather can affect different airlines very differently, even when everything's going right, just the routes an airline flies can affect that. So because Southwest flies a lot of, has a lot of flights that go through Chicago and Denver that were two places that were really impacted, even if everything else had gone well, it's possible that they would have been more impacted even outside those locations than some other airlines. Southwest claims that they had enough staff on that day. I talked to people in several unions that staff people for Southwest in many different kinds of roles. The unions weren't quite as convinced. What I heard a lot is that Southwest staffs people for blue sky conditions or optimal conditions. Southwest has disputed that and said they really were prepared with staffing. But either way, what went wrong is that this tool that Southwest needed to use and needed to rely on, and yet another tool that it needed to help it bounce back in this situation failed. And in a weird way, it's kind of an interesting window into something that there's a lot of discussion about right now, which is using AI and using technology to kind of do better than humans can do. So here, Southwest had long been reliant on this tool that used you know, an algorithmic model to deal with scheduling, but because they just kind of failed to update this tool, when it came down to it and the tool stopped working, the humans were not prepared to figure out how to pick up the pieces and get people on those flights. So there was pilots, there was crew who were ready to get up in flights, but because this computer system was the only way people knew how to book to get people on those flights, no one knew what to do and everything was just compounded, leading to even more cancellations and even more delays and even more frustration. Well, they stuck with this system for quite a while, and it's really different from what other airlines do. Was it working? Can it be good under normal circumstances? Can you walk me through that? I've talked to a lot of analysts who've worked within the airline industry or been consultants for the airline industry. And something you hear a lot is, Airlines, they're not generally very high-tech. They're pretty resistant to change. Technology is not usually at the forefront of what they're focusing on. So, you know, we don't actually know how much worse is Southwest scheduling system than all the other airlines. I don't know. I think it's totally plausible that some other airlines have pretty outdated scheduling and computer systems for dealing with some of this stuff as well. I suspect they do. But Southwest was clearly extra outdated. It needed improvements. And this is, you know, just kind of part of a pattern is what I think some analysts would say is that um, this is part of a pattern of not prioritizing technology and not prioritizing these sorts of things, just doing kind of the bare minimum to continue to get by and also thinking too much about the immediate future instead of doing longer-term planning and bigger investments in how to improve things. And so this, I mean, now Southwest has this humiliating disaster on its hands. 
clearly they're going to, or they should, you would hope, deal with this scheduling software. Um, And I suspect other airlines are also now taking a look at their own scheduling software, some of which is probably pretty outdated as well. Airlines have had a rough couple of years. When the pandemic hit, carriers were hit particularly hard as travel stopped. The government ended up having to bail them out, spending billions of dollars to keep them afloat. Since travel has resumed, Southwest has done pretty well. They posted a $68 million fourth quarter profit last year. But that money hasn't gone toward beefing up their technology. You'd think that if they knew that this was such a critical part of their business and the technology that ha- that's handling it is outdated, that they would spend some of that money and invest in beefing up their system. What were they doing? I talked to some different people in the unions and who've worked for Southwest for a long time, and I heard a lot of nostalgia for their original CEO, um, Herbert David Kelleher, who was the original Southwest CEO. I mean, you know, it's hard, nostalgia can can do a lot of things for people. So it's, you know, it's hard to know exactly what was the case. But I, there was a lot of nostalgia for his style of leadership, which really invested in the employees, which was focused on profits and needed to make profits, but thought about a more you know, a bigger picture, both for customers and employees, and knew that 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 would help him distinguish the brand. Southwest has a new CEO, CEO Bob Jordan. He became the chief executive in February. He's been at Southwest a long time, at three decades. And, you know, in terms of making money, yes, Southwest is making money. You know, I think that the calculus of how to continue to make money for airlines is a tricky thing. It's a legitimately tricky thing. And so, most of the airlines are going to try all the things they can do to maximize their profits. And so one of those things, for example, is, you know, who hasn't had an infuriating experience of waiting on the phone to talk to somebody for an airline? Well, that's not just Southwest, right? That's all the airlines. And they know that that's an area that they don't have to put so much money towards, or they've decided they don't have to put so much money towards. Um, And so, you know, I think that to your point, if Southwest knew, had foreseen that this computer system was going to crash in this particular way, of course they would have spent the money. Southwest does not want to go deal with a Senate hearing, with humiliation, with, you know, it's expensive for them. This is a big expensive mess for them. That said, um, I think that this is part of a pattern, many would say, of not putting their money in the right place. You say you've been talking with employees who've been reminiscing about the old days, but the employees right now must be kind of frustrated because they're the ones that are on the front lines of consumer discontent. How are they handling it? What are they doing about it? You know, the pandemic has been really hard on people who work in the airline industry. I think we all remember the constant reports throughout the pandemic of rage of people getting violent with flight attendants, of getting violent with people at the ticket agents, just getting angry with each other. The the pandemic has just been so difficult for people who work in the airline industry. So I think what is what is tricky about this is I think there has been a sense, and this is some of this is backed up by the number of incidents um, that are reported of, of those sorts of things, that things were starting to get a bit better, that we're coming out of the worst of the pandemic. 
there aren't some of the same battles over masks and other things that there once were. And there wasn't the same rage bubbling up from the pandemic directed towards people. And so we're getting at a place of maybe more decency. So yeah, it has been really tough though on the people who work there because this isn't just their first time of dealing with something difficult. It's been hitting them over and over and over and over again. And something to think about too is for the people who work outside. You know, there are a lot of people who work outside. They have to take um, those bags and put them on the planes. These were really cold conditions in a lot of places. And so an area of tension lately for Southwest has also been, you know, how many hours should those people work? How should they approach those people's work schedule? And I think that there's just been a desire in the airline industry and beyond right now for people to stand up for themselves and what they need um, in terms of good working conditions. And some of that is definitely butting heads with what the airlines, including Southwest, want to do in order to maximize profits. When we come back, will Southwest be held accountable? Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it. And we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets. There's been a lot of attention on Southwest since the unprecedented number of canceled flights over the holidays. A class action lawsuit was filed in New Orleans by passengers affected by the cancellations. Pete Buttigieg, the U.S. Secretary of Transportation, has publicly admonished the airline and called for them to do right by customers. 
and President Biden said that his administration will hold them accountable. But history has shown that airlines often manage to avoid scrutiny when things like this happen. There has been a lot of discussion about accountability, and not just Southwest. You know, it's important for us to remember that throughout the pandemic, so many of the airlines have had these moments where they've really let people down. And at point, Southwest has actually been one of the better airlines, which is part of why this is so disappointing to people. So the accountability has been something that's come up again and again and again. And um, Pete Buttigieg is the head of the Department of Transportation, and he has really made this a big thing over the past couple of years. He has really emphasized, I want to help consumers, and I want to help consumers get their money. I want to help consumers get what they deserve. I want to help consumers understand their rights. There has been a lot of criticism of the Department of Transportation from all sides, not just from Republicans or Democrats, but from all different kinds of people proposing all different kinds of things that say just telling the airlines what they need to do, just reminding them what they need to do is not going to get them to change. You need to find them or somebody else needs to, to deal with regulating them. So this has been a really hot topic over the past year and before that as people have been really frustrated. It should be noted that in November of last year, the Department of Transportation fined six airlines more than $7 million for failing to give customers refunds for canceled flights. It was a hefty fine, considering that airlines often don't face much scrutiny for their actions. But it's unclear if we'll see something similar happen here. We don't have any evidence that Southwest is going to face more fines. What we know is that the Department of Transportation, um, Secretary Buttigieg, has spoken with the CEO of Southwest. Um, in the way that the Department of Transportation framed it in the press releases they gave it, it sounded kind of like a stern talking to you can't do this. You got to give people their money back. Give you know you got to kind of do some of the things or or else. So there's a little bit of that or else hanging over all of us right now. Okay, is Southwest going to give people the money they deserve? Is, are they going to turn things around? Um, simultaneously, there is going to be a hearing. We just learned the U.S. Senate Commerce Committee Chair Maria Cantwell said that there would be hearings um, on the meltdowns and really looking at that. Perhaps the best way to force accountability at an airline is to simply stop flying on it, especially one that's failed its customers as miserably as Southwest has. But according to Heather, that's not as easy as it might seem. Something I've heard a lot from people who work in this world is that part of the challenge and part of the reason airlines don't fix certain things, like things like customer service uh, or you know, putting more people on their phone lines, is that at the end of the day, a lot of people, no matter how mad they get, no matter how terrible their experience, a few months pass, they will pick flights just because they pick it based on price. And I've been there. I think a lot of us have been there. Oh, yeah, that was a terrible experience. But like, oh, like, here's the cheapest flight I can fly. And so some of the airlines, this is what I've heard a lot, some of the airlines just kind of know this. And so that doesn't help incentivize them fixing some of these areas like customer service and the phone lines and putting more money towards that. So it all comes down to the pocketbook. 
<laughs> yes, I think I think a lot of it, a lot of it does. But you know, it's possible in this hearing, um, think more things will come out that there'll be more agitation for other kinds of accountability mechanisms. The Department of Transportation could find Southwest. Southwest has also said that they are going to give people this kind of additional points thing in order to try to make it up to people for what they've done beyond giving the refunds. I think there's kind of been mixed feelings about that. People are saying like okay, I don't ever want to fly you again. What good is this that you're giving me something to apply towards more flights? Um, but other people feel like, okay, that's that's an effort towards something. Do you think that with all of these things happening, with the tough talk from people to judge, with the hearing, that there will be some move towards stronger protections for customers and consumers overall in the industry? I think that in order for that to be the case, something needs to shift. You know, I would return to the woman we talked about earlier, Andrea Minor, as a really good example of why. Throughout the pandemic, the Department of Transportation has kind of taken the stance that a good way to get airlines to do what they're supposed to, because that's what we're all asking for here. We're not even asking them to do something radical um, and unprecedented. We're asking them to do what's in their customer service agreements to get people where they want to go to just meet the basics of what they need. So I think Andrea Minor is a really good example because there she was on the Instagram citing Department of Transportation code. She knows her rights. She knows that she was owed a refund. She knows that she was owed a hotel voucher. She didn't need somebody to tell her what she was owed. And even saying that, she wasn't able to get what she needed in that moment from the people who are supposed to help her. So I think there is some evidence that the Department of Transportation, for example, created this elaborate dashboard. Actually, it's not that elaborate. This basic dashboard <laughs> that shows people what each airline promises to give you if there's a cancellation or delay within their control. And there's some evidence that maybe that helps. There's been anecdotes of people who say, the airline tried to not give me what I needed. And... I, I pulled up the dashboard. I was able to tell them this helped me, you know, that maybe that helps. But I think Andrea Miner's story is a really good example of why just putting it on the customers to know their rights does not always fix the problem. And so something that will be really interesting in the coming months is seeing where this goes. If this is enough of a humiliation to get Southwest to turn things around, or if if we are hearing yet another story just like this in, in eight months' time. I want to return back to Southwest because you had talked and said that they had done pretty well when it came to service and all of that before this. They'd bounced back pretty successfully post-COVID. But then you have this debacle over a holiday, as you said, when people have limited time, they're seeing family, you got that emotional connection. Has that changed the company's image? And if so, what's next for them? I think for some people, it certainly has. I, you see a lot of those stories on social media. A lot of the people I talked to said, I will never fly Southwest again. I used to love Southwest. This is outrageous. I don't know. I, I'm not entirely convinced it'll, in the long term, change things for Southwest just because this isn't the first time. Southwest has had other major issues during the pandemic, and people were super outraged. They were saying the same things, and then 
people seem to kind of forget. And we've kind of seen that with all the airlines. So I think this is very serious for Southwest. I think that this has gotten a lot of attention. And I think that that kind of like warm and fuzzy feeling, some people still held on to the idea of Southwest, is definitely affected. But whether people are not going to fly Southwest anymore, again, that price thing, um, I think people are still going to fly Southwest. Well, there are those pictures of folks without their bags. <laughs> that yes. are Maybe if they don't get their luggage back ever, <laughs> they yes. might. Yes, that's true. No, there are a lot of outraged people. There are a lot of people who say they will never fly Southwest again. And, and I believe that for quite some months. This is bad for Southwest. But this isn't the first time. It's just one of the biggest times. Heather Tall Murphy, thanks so much for your reporting and for talking to me about it. Thank you so much for having me. It was really nice to talk to you. Heather Tall Murphy covers business and technology for Slate. And that's it for our show today. What Next TBD is produced by Evan Campbell. Our show is edited by Jonathan Fisher. Alicia Montgomery is Vice President of Audio for Slate. TBD is part of the larger What Next family. TBD is also part of Future Tense, a partnership of Slate, Arizona State University, and New America. If you're a fan of this show, I have a request for you. Become a Slate Plus member. Just head on over to slate.com slash whatnextplus to sign up. I'm Mary C. Curtis, columnist for Roll Call and host of its Equal Time podcast. You can find me on Twitter at mcurtisnc3. We'll be back Sunday with another episode. Thanks for listening. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.